So each week, uh, the lectionary offers four suggested scripture readings from which to choose. And as you can imagine, pastors, we have our favorites and our not-so-favorites. Last week, our guest, Amanda Henderson, relayed how she groaned with disappointment at finding that for her it was the story of Martha and Mary that had come up. This week, I felt her pain as I saw this text that you just heard. On a list of passages I wish were not in the Bible, this is at least top three for me. But like Amanda, I know there's a good discipline in just working with a text that we don't like or agree with. So I decided to stick with this passage. I prayed about it. And I actually did come to some new ways of seeing it. But let's start with the stuff that drives me crazy, okay? When we pick things up, Jesus has just taught the disciples a version of the Lord's Prayer. So it's a story about prayer, right? And he asks them to imagine that a friend has arrived unexpectedly in the middle of the night, and you realize that you haven't been to the grocery for a while, so you go to the house of another friend, ask him for some bread. But it's late, it's midnight. And this friend yells out, the house is all locked up, locked up, the kids are sleeping in bed with me, I got dancing with the stars on, I'm all cozy. Leave me alone. And Jesus says, now even though this friend would rather not help you, if you're persistent, eventually he'll get up and give you the bread just, just to be rid of you, right? It's a great image, and we probably all can think of a fair-weathered friend or two like this guy, right? But it sure seems to me that Jesus is suggesting that God is like the man in the house, all cozy and warm and really hoping we won't bother him too much. And it seems he's suggesting that prayer is basically about bugging God until God finally gets off his heavenly hiney and not out of love, but because it's the only way he can get us, get rid of us, will help us. To which I would officially like to go on record as saying, this is awful. This is not the way God is. And this is certainly not what prayer is about. So that's my first problem with this text. There's actually two. It seems like Jesus is saying that if you pray hard enough, then, well, even just to get rid of you, God will answer all your prayers. I mean, after all, he says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Which sounds so lovely. Except that it's obviously not true. Plenty of people ask for things every day. Right? Good and noble things. Like for the cancer to go away. Or for their child to make it home safely. Or for the war to end. And they don't. 
it doesn't happen. And so now, on top of whatever suffering drove them to pray in the first place, a text like this leaves a person wondering, oh, how might things be different if I had just prayed harder, knocked a little longer? It's as bad as the first part. This whole passage makes me mad every time I read it. I'm getting mad again right now. It's just... <laughs> So like I said, I, I honestly did ask God for some insight into this text. After all, it says right there, seek and ye shall find, right? It took a while, but then I did notice something. At the end of the passage, Jesus says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now, I'm not trying to bypass this thing. I think it really is important that he says this. What if that's what Jesus is talking about? When he says, everyone who asks will receive, what if he is talking specifically and only about the Holy Spirit in this passage? Well, that would solve one of my problems with this passage, at least. And it would make a lot more sense, wouldn't it? Especially in the context of talking to the early disciples who had dedicated their lives to following Jesus. They wanted more than anything else to be filled with whatever he was filled with. That's the Holy Spirit. And now, as modern-day disciples, we probably don't think much about this, but we're on that same journey. So let's go with that, and let me try to describe in contemporary language what I think this text is about with that Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? In short, I think it's about two things. Presence and love. Presence means to be awake and alive in the moment that you are in. To so trust God and life that you can quiet down, at least for a while, that never-ending dialogue in your head and just be here. I used to think that the idea of living in the present moment was a you know, cool idea that was mostly the Buddhists talked about. I now think it may be the key to just about everything. Especially when to that sense of presence, we add love. I think that in our deepest hearts, we burn with a love for all of this, everything and everyone. We don't like everything and everyone. That's totally different. And frankly, it doesn't really matter that much spiritually what you like and don't like. What matters is that love and I think the truth is we love the world so much that actually we're afraid of it. We're afraid it will overwhelm us and that if we let it out, we, we would look 
too needy or silly, and someone would judge us. And most of us probably had that happen, actually, when we were younger, maybe many times. So we've learned to contain that love, push it down, sometimes so far that we don't even feel it very often anymore. But those who live filled with the Holy Spirit, they've learned to let that love out again. They show up present in the moment with their hearts open and vulnerable. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it can feel like our hearts are on fire. Or we might feel giddy with joy for no reason or brokenhearted for the suffering of the world and sometimes all at the same time. It can make us feel both grounded in a deeper reality and a bit untethered, almost like we're floating or falling because we're no longer so focused on our little opinions but trusting instead the moment-to-moment goodness and grace of God. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is what the early disciples wanted most. And it's such a beautiful thing and such a hard thing to hold on to. Those moments when we glimpse it, they slip through our fingers so easily. I can feel so peaceful and present and full of love for the world in the morning sitting on my porch in the backyard. And by noon, the stress of the day has pulled me back into a stream of dialogue in my head that is, it's either all strategic or all complete fantasy. And what seemed so obvious and true that morning, it suddenly feels like a dream. But which part of me is dreaming? I almost feel like there's two parts, two, two different people, I'll speak for myself, inside of me. One that knows in its bones the deep truth of presence and love. And it longs to be filled with that spirit, to live with that. And another part of me that It doesn't believe it. And this part gets so absorbed in a thousand things that don't really matter, but at the time seemed so important. And it's like I move back and forth between these two people, these two realities, wondering which one of these is the real world. And that got me thinking about our image in the text this morning in a way that might just solve my other problem. What if the man in the house doesn't represent God, but rather that part of us that doesn't want to wake up to the Spirit? What if it isn't God who's the fair-weathered friend of ours, but that part of us that's, that's too scared to risk looking silly for love, that would rather stay comfortable and distracted rather than take that riskier path of the spiritual life of waking up. And what if Jesus, 
is saying to us, keep knocking. Keep knocking. You're going to have to be persistent, but you will get him out of bed. I promise you, he will wake up. You are on a journey to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We all are. And even when you can't see it in the world or in yourself or in a piece of Scripture, the Holy Spirit is at work. It is with you. Seek it. And you will find it.